This is the Uncle Devin's Show. Come on! Uncle Devin's Show. Do you want to have some fun? Yeah, yeah. You want to learn something too? Yes, we do. Now this is what you do. That's right, it's the Uncle Devin Show. Welcome to uh, another wonderful edition here on WOL 1450 AM. And I am your host, the children's drum cushionist. And I sure hope you had a wonderful weekend. I know I did. It was, uh, I had a lot of friends that came and uh, uh, kind of hung out with me. And I did not watch the Super Bowl, though. I don't know anybody else watched the Super Bowl. I did not watch the Super Bowl. My father and I have a tradition now that every Super Bowl we go to the movies. Um, and especially since, uh, from my opinion, how the the NFL doesn't care for black men. Uh, they, they seem to like us beating ourselves up on the field, but don't want to hire any black coaches and the way that they treat Kaepernick. And, of course, with this Kansas City chief, um, uh, the way they do the tomahawk and all these dif- disrespecting things to our uh, Native American sisters and brothers, I couldn't watch it this week. So my father and I and my, my wife and a good friend, we all went and – uh, for the third year in a row now, we done went and caught a movie. And if you've never done it, I mean, if you want to do anything, do it during the Super Bowl because ain't nobody else anywhere else. So you almost have the whole theater to yourself. If you go bowling, you have the whole bowling alley to yourself, whatever it is that you do. But anyway, welcome to another wonderful Monday. Uh, I am your host, and this is the Uncle Devin Show. The, this show focuses on the importance that music and art plays on a child in a child's development and what you can do to take back control of your children's music listening experience. In fact, it's what we call uh, listening to a... Uh, well, Eradicating music adultification. That's where we force children to listen to inappropriate adult music instead of age-appropriate music. But we understand the importance that music in general plays, and so we, we're going to deal with that and some more. Uh, coming up uh, later on today, I'm going to talk to you about my trip coming up to Harlem. Uh, those in New York, I'll be coming up there this Saturday. We're going to be over at the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, Sugar Hill uh, Children's Museum and Story of tor- Storytelling uh, this upcoming Saturday. I'll give you more information about that in the second hour. And then also this week, I got four shows at the Discovery Theater. We're going to be at the Discovery Theater down at the Smithsonian here in Washington, D.C. Um, I will give the details about that. But right now, I'm just absolutely honored uh, to be able to have uh, this one young brother, young man that is making and, and, and has making tremendous strides in the field of uh, music and he's a poet he's a singer he's an MC and he's MC raised right here in Washington DC and that's none other than the one and only Wes Felton welcome to the Uncle Devin show hey brother peace thank you thank you for having me hey. pleasure all right brother it is it really is an honor to have you on the show especially from Washington DC so talk a little bit about that so you uh, where'd you go to school at 
Uh, I'm originally a D.C. native. Uh, I'm a product of D.C. public schools my whole life. Oh, wow. I ultimately uh, graduated from the School Without Walls Senior High School here. Yes. And I went on to uh, study theater at uh, Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, Before we really jump yeah. into your, your illustrious uh, career, what is uh, what, what would what was the importance that music and arts played for you growing up? I know with the school without walls did that that also had some type of artistic um, direction well, as well. Well, well, actually, um, first and foremost, I, my immediate uh, introduction to not just uh, music but the lifestyle of music uh, was my father. Uh, yes. My father was a jazz pianist named Hilton Felton. That's right, uh, Junior. Um, so I was able to, uh, my parents were, uh, separated by the time I was maybe three or four. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, my, my parents were able to kind of raise me a little differently and with a little bit more transparency than maybe my older brother and sister, mm -hmm. um, by, by them having separate homes, um, that I went in between. And, uh, my father really, you know, he really, you know, when I was a young man, I was listening to John Coltrane while other kids were listening to new editions. So, <laughs> uh, I was a little different in that regards, but as I got older and I ended up, um, like most musicians, they don't want their children to go into the family business, but they do. They, their hearts desire it sometimes secretly, yeah. but most of the time they really don't because mm -hmm. they understand the real grind and, yeah. Uh, ebb and flow of the uh, nature of this business. But um, when I got older and when I was in high school, I became a little bit more focused. Uh, school Without Walls, actually, at that time when I was there, they didn't really have an art really scene. You know, we weren't known. But what we were known uh, very much was as for having a humanities curriculum. Okay. Right. So when you, when you get humanities involved, uh, that means that we try to figure out how to incorporate all things mm. uh, amongst the human race. So right. if it was anything artistic or anything arts-related, it was usually uh, substance-based first mm -hmm. um, before the art part of it. So my introduction to art off the break was always based on uh, having a certain level of consciousness and, uh, 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 and, and responsibility and accountability with it, uh, regardless of what I ultimately decided to go study in, which was theater, you know? Right, right. So I know, yeah. and, I, and thank you for even sharing about your father, and I want to, you know, um, just one of the pioneers. I know he's performed with the greats such as George Benson, Grant Green, and many others. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so being able to see that from your perspective, you also then, he was able to teach you some of the highs and lows uh, of that industry, which I'm sure you've taken in with you as you've, um, you know, started your career. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, I was I, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. And, and by by that, I mean, my parents supported my passions. Oh, um, unfortunately, yes. we live in a society. Uh, well, I can speak, um, you know, mm -hmm. from the, the African-American perspective, but often uh, when it comes to our black children, we often uh, shut down their their dreams very early and try to uh, inflict uh, grown up trauma and issues upon them very early. Wow. Uh, so I was fortunate where I didn't have parents. I, I think part of it was because they were you know maybe separated, but then at the same time I think because my mother was married to a musician for so long and married to an artist, you know my my, my parents were teen parents. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they what they pulled off was amazing. They mm-hmm. to have three kids um, end up going away to college, graduate from high school, and go to colleges and study. Um, you know, people don't really undertake the people people underestimate the uh, difficult difficulty of teen parenting, um, and for them to pull that off. Uh, was amazing, um, but my parents basically, yeah, I was lucky where they didn't shut down my dreams. You know, right. they didn't, they didn't project uh, other uh, perceptions or desires on me. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, as a child, so right. out the gate, I had a very, <laughs> you know, I didn't. My parents never made me feel like my decisions to be an artist um, were was a bad choice or weird or anything you know right, right. um but for others I'm, i i can imagine it can be um an issue sorry for kind of going on a no no no, no that's perfect because i want parents to hear that <laughs> because know? as a, yeah. you know my i've decided to take my art form and focus primarily on children music and children education um yes. so you can only imagine that whatever you may have gone through when I decided to walk away from a nine to five job, making some great money to focus on children, mm-hmm. you know, there was some eyebrows looking at me like, wait a minute, what, what are bet. you doing? But I it's bet. about passion. And so I, I yeah. love that. And and what was your first passion? I know you are an, an, an MC or a poet, and I know you have two books yeah. about poetry. What was your well, first passion? Well, definitely, definitely, um, definitely my first passion was revolution and the freedom of oppressed people, <laughs> to be quite honest. Wow. And I when I was uh, maybe like around, you know, when I got to like high school, uh, different people and individuals in my life began to identify um, certain skill sets and natural abilities that I had. Um, basically, I was a rebel without a cause. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, someone pulled, pulled, shared my information and uh, with BET, uh, with a producer by the name of Ron Carrington, and mm-hmm. they introduced me to him. And at that time, he was producing a TV show called Teen Summit, yes. uh, which oh, aired yeah. every Saturday. And um, they brought me in there for an interview, you know, and they immediately, you know, they were, they were immediately drawn to me and um, pulled me into that. And then... Uh, you know, and it, it gave me an opportunity as a teenager who had often radical or progressive um, thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me an opportunity to be a voice for that population of young people globally who, you know, weren't being really represented um, often. You right. know, now we see a lot of weird kids. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's cool to be it's cool to it's cool to have a different opinion. You know, an alternative thing going on or wear something different mm-hmm. uh, now. But at that time, you know, it was still very much a, a, a rites of passage mm-hmm. and a, across the bear at a young age. I did. Um, but when you take the combination of that experience and then at School Without Walls, there was this white woman who was a substitute teacher named Geraldine Gilstrap. Mm-hmm. Um, she was only there temporarily. Um, she identified um, qualities in me. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, well, you, you know, being a revolutionary is not really a profession. You got to find you, you don't have to pay the bills. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, she said, check out this play by Arthur Fugard, who was a South African playwright, mm-hmm. a white South African playwright at, at, at that, mm-hmm. um, who wrote, you know, very well-known plays like Master Harold and the Boys. Um, right. But he also wrote this play called My Children, My Africa, and it, it surrounded um, – the relationship of this young teenage boy during apartheid, and he had this favorite teacher, 
and this white girl was also in the class, and this teacher was also her favorite teacher. And they kind of created this kind of circle amongst each other in the safe space of school. But then ultimately, um, it came down when it came down to a choice of deciding uh, this teacher's contribution to the revolution and, and to, the, to the, the destruction of apartheid, mm-hmm. the, the young man chose the revolution and mm-hmm. ultimately allowed his favorite teacher to be um, assassinated for being an informant, you know? Wow. Um, and so you see this struggle of this mm-hmm. teenager going through this, having this opinion and having to explain it to this white, this Caucasian girl mm-hmm. uh, who, who definitely wouldn't understand it, um, but yet understand some parts of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, with the combination of those things, I ultimately uh, fell in love with the idea of using theater and film and television as a means of, uh, as my tool of change. Oh, so wow. Wow. those were, <laughs> so I wanted, so, so ultimately went to Carnegie Mellon to study theater to get the training aspect of it. And once I was kind of finished with what I, with, with, the, with that tech, learning the technique, mm-hmm. um, it was at that, at that point I just went, you know, okay. full, full foot, foot in. <laughs> hey, you're listening to uh, the Uncle Devin show here on WOL 1450 AM, and my guest is the one and only Wes Felton, uh, singer, poet, actor, MC, and we make sure we put uh, Revolutionary on there. And we're going to continue <laughs> on that theme because I know you've done some work in support of Colin Kaepernick. I know you I don't know if you heard my intro about why I didn't watch the Super Bowl uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm gonna talk to a little bit, a little bit more on that theme of liberating music for, for the, for the community. Don't go anywhere. We we'll come right back in 60 seconds with the one and only Wes Felton. Welcome back. You're listening to Uncle Devin here on WOL 1450 AM, and I am known as the children's drum cushionist. You know, we have the Uncle Devin Show, which is an interactive musical experience for children that uses drums and percussion to cultivate their minds, sort of a dynamic cross between D.C.'s trouble funk and schoolhouse rock. And my guest today is the one and only Wes Felton, um, and we were just really getting into the whole thing of liberation really uh, liberation music, but also how you be able to, to straddle that. I'm, I'm glad that someone did give you that advice that, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to live off of that revolution because to be honest, the enemy is not going to um, fund your freedom. You got to get, you got to take that, but there are ways that you can use your gift to put you in a position to be able to make impact. And it sounds like you've done that because you've done work with, uh, I mean, a number of, I know the work you've done with Raheem Devon, uh, West, um, Vandal, Andrew, I think you did a uh, piece on the NFL, a single called NFL. Talk a little bit about that and what got you into that. Uh, So, you know, again, uh, because because of my introduction and uh, to the arts and what how and how that is what became my focus as a young black male growing up in D.C., I just have, I, you know, I've always had an ability to write content in that that's in the language of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that particular piece, first of all, for me personally, I stopped watching the NFL when that when that guy 
uppercutted his girlfriend and the, uh, his wife in the uh, elevator. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That um, turned me off. Baltimore Ravens. Um, yeah, you know, and then the layers they the layers started coming off of mm-hmm. how certain uh, certain elements of information from that mm-hmm. were withheld and things like that. So. Let me just be clear on that. So okay, that's good. The, that's the reason why I, I stopped watching NFL. It wasn't even Kaepernick because okay. I I told somebody just earlier today I I don't think I've st- stood up for the uh, uh, the national anthem in over twenty years. I, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm with you. I don't I don't I don't remember. I'm serious. I don't remember since uh, being a child mm-hmm. uh, standing up. So I I don't really I'm not really caught up in that uh, mm-hmm. the perception of that thing. Um, but with this particular piece, what I wanted to do was I wanted to actually tell the story of Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. But how can you do that in two verses of a song? Yeah, that's right. So in that particular piece, what I decided to do was, okay, you know, let me start off and let people, using slight metaphors of sports, mm-hmm. but telling the story of, okay, this abandoned child first, okay? Mm-hmm. This child who was, <clears throat> who was first of all, his birth father left his teenage mother, young mother, then the mother put him up for adoption. Mm, okay. So, you, so, 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 yeah. so, 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 so people, see, 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 if people don't, uh, if people don't know the history of someone, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. dare them have a comment okay. or an opinion about where they are now. Okay. Especially if they have overcame ultimate odds okay to where your parents throw you away Mm. first right the people that are actually supposed to teach you your values your self-worth teach you the concept of uh uh uh, you know rhetorical Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. rhetorical engagement Mm -hmm. trust all these things right wow so that's why the very first word i say in this is born into this world of free agents Mm. Mm. <laughs> my single mother, my daddy had forsaken. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's the idea that I think that we as we have lost, uh, we we have something that we all practice called selective morality, mm-hmm. and it's allowed us to forget first and foremost that we're all human. Okay. First. Good point. That's right. And unfortunately, there's more money in division mm. than it is in, you know, yeah, <laughs> attracting yeah. problems. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. Know? So you add more groups. Okay, we'll have the gays fighting these people. We'll have the black gays fighting the white gays. We'll have the black gays fighting other black people. We'll have this. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm, yes. Yes. And so I, I, I personally, you know, I've, I've always been a person – uh, again, because of the way I was taught, mm-hmm. um, not just in my home, to value my history, but also the particular journey of education that I went through. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, I, I, I just, I just believe that you know, um, you have to, you know, uh, we are we are more than uh, selling out and more than self-sabotagers right and, you know a lot of the things that we often limit ourselves to so i wanted to just to, to remind people like well look did you guys know that he first of all was 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 thrown away by his parents 
Do you also know that he actually was a phenomenal uh, uh, defensive player? Yes. And then he actually, but but then he got his scholarship for baseball. Mm-hmm. And then it was by way of baseball. But while he was in school, he began to study the history of the people who looked like him because mm-hmm. up until that point, he grew up around people who didn't look like him mm-hmm. because those are the people who took control of his destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. White, a, a white environment. Wow. So then he now goes from that 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 playing field to a whole nother playing field that now involves endorsements, uh, People, you know, well, actually, you're not really free, nigga. You're making money. Excuse my language. Mm-hmm. You're not making money. Mm-hmm. You're now making money, but you're still that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get reminded that, it, it, you know, if people can understand the story of the Joker mm-hmm. and it can win awards, <laughs> then people should be able to understand the journey of Colin Kaepernick wow. and understand that it's, it, you know, here's an example of someone who had a troubling, er, troubling uh, life mm-hmm. off the break, mm-hmm. but he didn't choose to become a serial killer. Mm-hmm. He didn't choose to stab somebody and get away with it at the Super Bowl. Right. He didn't choose to do illegal drugs. That's right. He didn't choose. You understand what I'm saying? So it's important. It's important that somebody, at least on record, mm-hmm. you know, besides the besides the take a knee and the the, yeah. the cliche being woke and all that. It was for me. I I felt that uh, no one had up to that point, and no one probably has yet simply just said to them, said to people like, "Look, this is who this guy really is." Right. Absolutely. And it could have went, and it could have went a whole another way. And you guys allow it to go other ways all the time, right. and then complain about, you know, yeah. so, someone being someone someone being accountable, right. black men being accountable. Well, you know, so this guy took this guy put his career on the line, yes. and people fail to fail to fail to really just kind of acknowledge that off the break. And I believe that if you're not a person who's willing to do that, mm-hmm. go back in the bleachers. That's it. I mean, that's all. It that's is. what the Democratic Party is doing right now. <laughs> that's what all these other people. <laughs> Go into the bleachers. That's right. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but it's in that tradition of Paul Robeson, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, um, all the uh, the athletes who took a stand. Um, I mean, of course, they flash the money in front of you, but there's more. You know, it, it, when 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 your when your personal principle is greater than that little pleasure principle, then that to me is what we need to elevate. And uh, mm-hmm. and so I, I really appreciate that. And uh, how can now you, you you have two two books? Is it? I think you have. Yeah, um, you man, those, those man, they're out of. They're totally out of print. Oh, okay. People have been asking me to, to <laughs> republish them. I've been just, you know, now for me, I've been just looking for, you know, uh, a resource, a company. You know, often a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, you know, for black artists, um, we off people often, especially now in the era of uh, social media and things like that. Okay. Um, we people often assume based on perception mm-hmm. that the village don't still need assistance. Exactly. <laughs> say, it, say it again. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't get it twisted, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the midst of whatever, uh, resume, mm-hmm. uh, laced or whatever, uh, you know, anecdotes that I can share about my career. Um, I am very far from, uh, 
you know, the Jay-Z's and the so-and-so's of the world That's right. um, on, on various levels. Right. Um, but um, I believe that that's all, again, based on the same type of lifestyle choices um, and decisions that we make um, in life. You know, I chose, uh, you know, I have a 16-year-old son, and when I had my 16-year-old son, I was approaching one of the, uh, you know, hills and mountains of my career. Mm. Um, I had things going on, you know, I had a, a, you know, I was in the process of having videos and BET and doing, you know, doing, you know, things that it ultimately uh, really pushed the career. You know, Raheem, uh, my partner in the crossroads, he went on to sign a, a major deal and, mm-hmm. you know, just things that, but I wanted to be present with my son. Okay. Absolutely. I, be, I personally believe um, from my experience as a son in the father-son relationship, mm-hmm. but also as an educator, a part-time educator, mm-hmm. I believe that the presence is more valuable mm-hmm. to a child than all the other adult stuff that we <laughs> That's right. project on them. Absolutely. And in fact, we're going to continue <laughs> to talk about that. I might have to take yeah. another quick break in just a Go moment. Ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In studio with me also, uh, he's going to join us in the conversation, is uh, no stranger. He's my uh, a good friend of ours with the Black Student Fund, Executive Director uh, Leroy Nesbitt, and he's going to just weigh in on this, but we're going to also talk to him toward the end of the show. But right right now you're listening to Wes Felton, and this is Uncle Devin's radio uh, talk show uh, here on WOL 1450 AM, one of the first shows to ever feature children. Uh, we really talk about the importance that music plays in a child's development. And so we can isolate children's music from adult music, which both are necessary. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about your work with Indicao Cello, um, Chris Rock, uh, and others. When we come back, just in 60 seconds, don't go anywhere. I'm not just a drummer, I'm not just a percussionist, but I'm a drum cushionist. And we teach the children about the wonderful world of percussion and how percussion was one of the first forms of communication in the history of the world and how we as African people um, really gave it to the world. So much so that it was to an extent in this country, they had to outlaw the drum because we were using it for our liberation. Uh, and we started doing other types of things. We started tap dancing. We started hand boning. We did all those new, unique things that they couldn't figure out. But then they perverted it and others perverted it uh, for different reasons. And we talk about that history in our show. Um, coming up this week, I'm going to be at the Discovery Theater. Got two shows uh, coming up. If you can join us, uh, you can go to the Uncle Devin Show dot com. Uh, and go to the calendar, and you can see uh, our, our wonderful calendar. But we have two shows coming up at the Discovery Theater, uh, um, and I'm pulling up on, on my calendar right now. But you don't want to miss it. I'm going to bring in all my different instruments uh, that we have, uh, um, and I'm pulling up on, on my calendar right now. But you don't want to miss it. I'm going to bring in all my different instruments uh, that we have, um, and we will be – uh, that's at uh, February 6th and February 7th. Uh, we have a show from 10.15 to 11, and then the other one is at 11.30 to 12.15. And then if you're in New York, 
come on out to the Sugar Hill uh, Children's Museum of African uh, Art and, and Storytelling, and we're going to be up there uh, having a wonderful time and sharing this love up there with you as well. But I want to get back to my guest because I'm honored to have this this very educated uh, he's as an educator. He's a father. He's uh, I'm, I'm now going to talk about what I think is the most important. He's a father. He's a he's a revolutionary human being that believes in change in society. Who happens to also be a wonderful actor, poet, <laughs> and singer, and the like. Now, talk a little bit about the work you've done. I, I saw on, on some of the uh, sites where you know you work with another DC native, um, Michelle Indigo Chao, um, yeah, and also um, I saw Chris, Chris Rock and others. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, my my work with Michelle um, back in like 2006, uh, she reached out to me uh, just randomly one day. She okay, she uh, got my number from somebody and she called me and was like, "Hey, I'm LinkedIn, you know, I just wanted to let you know if you know, um, you know, I'm pretty stationary in New York uh, right now, and if you ever, you know, need a bass player when you do some of your your gigs and things." You know, reach out, and I was like, I was like, oh. well, I don't know, Michelle. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you know the budget that I got. <laughs> I think I got. Don't, don't let the, don't let the video on BET fool you. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, she and she was, you know, we, we laughed a bit, and she, she, she understood, uh, and she just kind of expressed with me that she respected my my me as a as an artist you know and my integrity and my uh you know resilient resilient spirit to mm-hmm. not compromise my content and also the fact that a lot of the music that I often make it comes from the perspective of a sensitive black male mm. who's who's not ambiguous or Who's you know who's you know he he's very you know mm-hmm. he's kind of like the the guy that often white artists get to be yes. um, all the time you know right. until they die you know they get to be regular guys mm-hmm. just them you yeah. know and, and are able to express that so you know because our history of music is rooted in the blues um, mm-hmm. and uh, also being from DC and understands this environment and how it can affect artists and the importance of getting out. Uh, she later on in 2007 um, reached out again to uh, do a tour with her. So mm. I was able to uh, tour with her um, on a tour called Searching uh, for the Method Tour, mm. uh, and it was a it was a quite a it was a quite a quite an experience. Um, hopefully one day you know there'll be a chance where she and I could sit down and we tell the story of that oh, that yeah. uh, tour. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> but yeah. it was. Um, it was it was a very you know humbling and wonderful thing where she wanted to introduce me to her audience and her fan base and I can say that it, it definitely did help my career in many ways and create some long time uh, lifetime mm-hmm. supporters and new friends and whatnot. Sure. Um, so that that was my that was my work with her. You know, it, um, she grew up. I, I remember listening to her right. as and playing go go and some of the go go bands, yeah. Prophecy Band and, and the others. And I was just blown away then. And then to see her career yeah. just take off from there was just in, incredible. Yeah. And then she and I both being children of musicians and that that aspect. Uh, you know, though we always kind of uh, find each other. That's like Raheem and I. Raheem's father is a jazz uh, cellist as well. Mm. So we are. 
<laughs> you know, okay. it, it, that just kind of happens. That's um, something else. All right. I, I learned that recently in Ghana that we find ourselves. You know, so mm-hmm. We, we kind of find our tribe. Right. Um, and uh, but real quickly, um, in terms of the Chris Rock situation, uh, there's a, there's a good friend of mine and mentor by the name of Prince Paul, who's a producer, who's uh, you know produced great albums like De La Soul's first album. He had his own group called Skeska Sonic. And, oh yeah. Uh, the grave diggers and whatnot, and mm-hmm. Prince Paul is just um, a, a great pioneer. Uh, well, one day, one day he was abandoned by a DC promoter um, on the corner outside of a venue, and I walked up on him. I said, "Hey, man, what you doing down here?" And this is when he had crates of records at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, "Man, the promoter, man, that's a good guy. Night, he just he paid me and just disappeared, and I ain't seen him." Right? So, and just, so I'm like, all right, man, I'll, come on, I'll give you a ride. So I give this guy, I give Prince Paul a ride to his hotel. He offers me some money. I say, no, nah, man, I, I said, here, take this tape. I like, you know, check this check this record out. Mm-hmm. This is something I think is interesting. I think you would appreciate it. And he's like, all right, cool. So he hit me up months later, and they ended up telling me he wanted to produce the song and put it on his latest record. So long story short, he ended up putting it on this record called Politics of the Business. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like the only like kind of unknown guy on there, but I was on this record with people like Chuck D, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Talib Kweli, Run DMC. You know, it was a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, some legends on this record. Um, and then Speed Up years later, um, when I was in New York doing a show one time, Prince Paul called me. He heard I was in town and asked if I could do a session. And I was like, yeah, I can I can come in during the daytime. So I go to the studio and I get off the elevator, and I'm hearing this voice, and, I, and this kind of sounds familiar, but I'm thinking like I don't know, maybe this is like they're playing the TV or something. But you hear this guy talking about uh, sugar cane in Jamaica. Hmm. Like, you telling me black people that they got sugar cane, but the white people ones make the money? And I'm just thinking like, wait a minute. So then I walk into the studio, and all of a sudden I say, I hear somebody say, oh. Man, W. Ellington Felton. It smells like poetry in this MF now. And I look over and I say, I look, and it's Chris Rock in the booth. Um, and then I discovered that I had been called in to uh, write and record on Chris Rock's album called Never Scared. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so that's one, you know, so that's a project okay. that I had to, I was blessed to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that the service part of it. Mm-hmm. By that being the introduction to the the personalities and the profession mm-hmm. of what Prince Paul did as a black man and what I did as a black man, mm-hmm. I think that that is going to always be take precedent over whatever's going on, whatever's the fads, whatever the money talk is, whatever you know things of that nature. Because if you it, if, if, if you're not doing whatever it is that you're doing for a service first, mm. then it's like, <laughs> I don't really know what you're doing at this you point, go. you know? That's it. They say only 10% of people get to retire. So what you working for? <laughs> That's right. Hey, you, I'm you work, what you, 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 in this country, you're only working for two things. You're either working for more things that you can hoard mm-hmm. or, or, or paying somebody who's pimping somebody's lord. Mm. Gee. And that Lord could be a religious Lord, that Lord could be money, or that Lord could be whoever the power that be. 
Period. Absolutely. And that's so why I decided, I decided to just say, you know, after and I worked 19 years, it was good. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm glad I did it, but it's such a freedom to know that now I'm able to be in a situation, especially for children. Because one of the things, Wes, is that I've come to realize is that there's been no national children's music programming in the black community. So most of what? our music comes from pretty much European nursery rhymes, um, dealing with, mm-hmm. with with other people's history. And but there are artists that do it. And so I created a, a, a radio station called I Am We Nation Radio, uh, which is a 24 okay. seven online music radio station that plays a music by artists from around the country. And we're not just talking. We're not sitting there doing nursery rhymes. We're talking about we people who take. Uh, we don't dumb down the music. We just make it age appropriate sure. in the content. And yep. I love what you're saying and what you're doing because, um, you know, one, you're continuing in that spirit and you feed us. Because when we when I listen to your music, then I get inspired to want to continue to do what I do. So, um, and I want to make sure if people need to reach you or want to find your music or anything like that, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, I'm, I'm real easy, man. I'm Wes Felton, W E S F E L T O N. You know, on most platforms, uh, you sometimes it helps to just put DC at the end of Felton um, yes. to just really find me uh, more direct. But uh, yeah, just the normal ways. I have I have a very extensive catalog of music that that people probably already have, but they just don't know because mm-hmm. uh, it's right there on their phone and all their favorite platforms, okay. um, as well as a lot of collaborative um, projects. Uh, most recently, uh, Raheem Devon and I have a group that we uh, started, off, man, almost 20 years ago, uh, called The Crossroads. And in 2017, we um, released a new project called Footprints on the Moon, and we toured on that for a couple of years. And now we're currently on touring, promoting uh, Raheem's latest solo projects while we're working on a new project. Mm. Um, so. It, you know, we're, we're I'm 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 there. I'm out there. I'm I'm active. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we just recently returned from a tour in Ghana, that was incredible. Um, that was very life changing for me mm-hmm. um, in terms of perspective. Uh, once again, mm-hmm. um, did you study much but, about in- Kwame Nkrumah? There, you know, I'm a I'm a oh yeah huge yeah absolutely. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, my latest project right now that I, that's how it's called the Year of Return. Oh yeah, and it's almost like it's almost it's almost like it's not a it's not a cliche African record. Mm-hmm. It's a record about a guy who goes an African American who goes to Ghana and returns back to America and regurgitates basically his, his vision of how he views it. So wow. um, I implore I implore people to check it out. It's called the Year of Return. That's the name of the record. Um, as folks know, this past year was the year of return in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was only appropriate that um, I not only, uh, you know, um, talk a little bit about that experience, but also, you know, shed light on that powerful um, term as well. Mm-hmm. Because any year can be the year of return, you know what That's I mean? Right. That's right. Um, and it's important that in order for us to know where we came from, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. to see a lot of people, see a lot of people have a, a lot of wasted paths Mm. And a lot of wasted time. So, so to, in order in order for them to have to re, to return, mm-hmm. they gotta they gotta deal with some of that stuff, right? 
You understand what I'm saying? That's right. They really do. <laughs> you know, because we often, we often think um, in the midst of all these gimmicks and all these obstacles that obviously exist in our society, we always forget about the person, the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. Right. And ultimately, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of accountability that you know as a community that we have to take, um, and I, I, I think once we begin to do that, I think we can no longer have record labels that want to push negative stuff mm-hmm. towards our community mm-hmm. because that stuff would no longer sell, or no mm-hmm. longer be played by people that look like us or claim to be, you know, mm-hmm. beacons in our community. But, hey, <laughs> I'm in the music business, mm-hmm. and I'm just telling you, people cry and complain about content, and they complain about the artists all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you create that content that, that, that's created to, uh, you know, to, to, to basically challenge that and be the balance, mm-hmm. I, I, I keep what I'm Yeah, I mean, let's just be real. You <laughs> know, I have to just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't want to seem like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just have to be completely factual and say that. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to only think of the conspiracy. Yes, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not a conspiracy. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a fact. They can make more money creating more criminals if That's they right. make more music that makes less educated or less wealthy people want right. to go make quick money that's right want to go create go 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 recreate the crimes that they're hearing in the contact yes that's fast that's right that's no longer that's not a conspiracy okay but what this real conspiracy is mm-hmm. that we don't want to deal with mm-hmm. is that mommy daddy mm-hmm. grandmommy granddaddy mm-hmm. uncle, auntie uncle are out here twerking <laughs> Come Cardi B just as much as it as a young person that's they're right. validating it just as much that's right Absolutely. And look, and uh, in fact, we, we're going to take another quick break. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm have to get to my next guest as well. But before we do yeah, that, Wes, sure, um, yeah, yeah. We, we, I want you to stay. Hold on just one moment. Once we come back, I'm going to have you give your contact information again. Um, and then we'll, 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 we'll break here because I, I, this conversation can go on and on and on. But don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds. You're listening to The Uncle Devin Show. Talk station. Okay, welcome back. You're listening to Uncle Devin's show. I'm the Children's Concussionist. We're here on WOL 1450 AM in the Washington, D.C. area. Actually, the Silver Spring, Maryland studios. Uh, my guest is uh, Wes Felton, and I didn't I didn't want to just, just rush you off real quick, Wes, but just wanted to say oh, first yeah. and foremost that I want to just thank you uh, for your art form, for your spirit. Uh, for your dedication to to the masses of the people, because it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, uh, you had mentioned about your poetry. I will send you some information uh, that hopefully this one uh, publisher might uh, fill it within their heart to help you out to get your your works pu- republished. Because from what I hear, it absolutely needs to be republished. Um, yeah. And again, you can someone can reach you easily online at Wes Felton W E S F E L T O N. They can go dot bandcamp.com or they can just go put uh, West yeah, Felton in DC. Yeah, they can. Well, yeah, either or. Yeah. Okay. I pull up West Felton DC or 
uh, West Felton. Now, basically, what West, what the Bandcamp thing is, Bandcamp is a site that allows support. So, say, say one of your listeners, they might not necessarily have, they might not necessarily be really into soul or hip hop music per se, right? Mm-hmm. But they maybe want to help my movement. That's a site that allows people, individuals, to pay what they want to pay for your music. Great. So instead of them going to some of the traditional sites, and you know we only get one cent or a penny, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that which is Bandcamp real. Bandcamp is one of those sites where people can actually like the money's going to go to them, and they can also pay more if they want to. Okay. You know, great, great. Okay, so, so that's uh, West Felton. Just you can just type West Felton DC. Well, look, brother, I want to thank you again for being a guest on the show today, and I wish you continued yeah. success. If we can ever be of any service, if you have a project coming up and you want it announced, feel free to give us a call, and we'll be glad to open the airways for you. Oh, I appreciate that so much, and I thank you guys, and please continue uh, to do all the great work that you guys are doing on this show as well as uh, this this particular station. Because, um, you know, I've been here. <laughs> I've been, I'm a D.C. native, so that's I right. know that this work didn't just start today, that's and right. that's that's always great and inspiring for us as artists as well. Okay. Well, thank you again very much, and um, and and we'll thank we'll you. be in contact. All right. Peace. All right. That was Wes Felton, a marvelous, uh, just a marvelous person, a wonderful actor. Uh, well, we didn't even get a chance to talk much about his acting. We'll come back to that another time. But uh, he's uh, he's a poet. He's a singer. He's performed everywhere, and I was so glad to have him there. And I want to also uh, welcome now to the Uncle Devin Show. Uh, another good brother that's been, he's no stranger to the Uncle Devin Show. Uh, he's the executive director of the Black Student Fund, uh, and he's been sitting patiently waiting. Um, and I just want to thank him for that, uh, Leroy Nesbitt. Welcome to the Uncle Devin Show. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your work. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, what's been going on with you? What's, what's, what's the latest with the uh, Black Student Fund? Well, we are uh, right in the midst of an academic year, mm-hmm. and so we are continuing to support our students and plan upcoming events. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny you mentioned what's coming up recently. Mm-hmm. Our uh, contribution to the discussions and scholarship of Black History Month, um, it will be two events. You will be one of them, mm-hmm. actually. We're going to, people are invited to come and hear Uncle Devin do a presentation of a version of his recent uh, event at the National Association of Independent Schools talking about racism in children's music. That's going to be at the Black Student Fund on February 27th. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we're also doing this month a workshop for educators and parents um, featuring an up-and-coming scholar who... For those in the education field, you should want to meet this young woman at this point early in her career. Her name is Dr. Bethany Young. She's a local product, and on February 12th at the Black Student Fund at 5.30, we're going to have her do her presentation on the experience of African-American women and young young women in, in elite white institutions. Hmm. She... Um, uh, Uncle Devin, uh, again, Dr. Young is somebody special. She is a product of the Washington, D.C. area, mm-hmm. having been educated at in her high school years at the Holton Arms School, which is a member of our organization, and uh, then taking her educational um, uh, career to Spelman, mm-hmm. where she received her undergraduate education, and then she proceeded to get a law degree from 
George Washington University. Inspired by her interests in social justice issues, she decided she wanted to do something in addition to her law degree in terms of her scholarship. So she enrolled in a PhD program at Duke University in the sociology department and decided to dedicate her studies and her research um, and her dissertation work on the issue of black girls in independent schools. Um, she's one of a few in this country that is doing that very focused work, looking at educational experiences of African Americans in, in predominantly white elite educational environments, and looking at it particularly from the experience of African American young women. Her, her uh, sample for her dissertation, many of the interviews were young ladies from this area who attend the, the schools that she attended and attend other schools that are part of our organization. And she's, uh, she's got something to say. She has a perspective. She has recently spoken in a couple of places. And if people are, it's a small event on purpose mm -hmm. so that people have the opportunity to hear what she has to say and really engage her. And we're serving food. Mm -hmm. So that's actually February 12th at noon. So what, 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 that's what's coming up. Where can they go to learn more information about that? Uh, well, first of all, we're, we're somewhat old-fashioned at the Black <laughs> Student Fund, so you can just call us. There you go. You can call us at 202-387-1414. 202-387-1414. If you call, ask for Miss Mock, and she'll put you on the RSVP list for one or more of those events. Okay. All right. And, um, and and remind the audience a little bit about the Black Student Fund. What's your mission and goal? We're one of the oldest organizations in America um, dedicated to ed educational excellence with a focus on the independent school community. Mm -hmm. Some people say private schools. Mm -hmm. We have 53 member schools that are many of the schools that people are familiar with in the Washington, D.C. area, um, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, uh, that are independent, meaning that they are not receiving any public funds either as a public school or as a public charter school mm -hmm. and that these schools have independent governance meaning that they have a, a board of directors oftentimes parents at the school who decide what the school does and how they do it mm -hmm. so we are in the community um, over, over I think uh, 50 years or plus the Black Student Fund has developed an expertise in also in African American excellence so I talk a lot about the achievement of our students. So more than one-third of our alumni have graduate professional degrees. Wow. 90-plus um, percent of our students have, have not only matriculated to college, but they've graduated from college, and they go to colleges all, all across the country. That's impressive. Wow, 90%. That's, that's real good. And, 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 and when I went to that, that conference that you mentioned, the People of Color Conference that was sponsored by the National Association of Independent Schools, I was able to really hear firsthand the struggle that teachers and administrators who are at independent schools go through as, as, as black uh, uh, staff and teachers. Um, and the work that you do to try to help support not only just the teachers, but also to help students now get into those schools. I know you just had a very successful, um, uh, your annual conference, uh, not conference, a uh, school fair that happened in September, and that was huge. And talk, give us a little overview of how that went. Well, as, as part of a effort to create bridges between the community and independent schools, as part of our effort to create opportunities around choice, 
that include independent schools for families. And it's part of our effort to co contribute to really opportunities for talented kids to have to achieve at a high level. Mm -hmm. um, the Black Student Fund does an access effort. The access effort does a variety of programs, but the, 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 the crown jewel of that program is the Black Student Fund, Latino Student Fund School Fair. Mm -hmm. Working with a, another very wonderful not-for-profit in the D.C. area called the Latino Student Fund, which mirrors what we do working with Latino families in independent education. We sponsor every year in September, and it will be in September 2020. It will be the last Sunday of September. Mm -hmm. But this past year, as in for the last 40-plus years, the Black Student Fund and the Latino Student Fund do an, a school fair. Mm -hmm. It's at the D.C. Convention Center. It is popular and well-attended. There are 65 to 80 schools every year, as well as workshops. Uncle Devin has done a workshop in the past years. Mm -hmm. And families come out to learn about independent schools. They can learn about admissions. They can learn about financial aid. But most come to have face-to-face -face conversations with representatives of the 70-plus schools that are there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a college fair, mm -hmm. but just for the K-12 education community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and see, the thing is, I wish I, I know I had you come. I, want, I wanted to spend more time because you and, and you and I have had conversations and, you, and, and, and to be able to kind of unpackage a lot of these different things that are tied together is really what our goal was. Thank you for your patience on, on, on allowing me to also extend my interview with Wes because that was just a wonderful interview. Um, I want to get you back here, but also I want to see about getting you back with the, the, the Latino Student Fund. Uh, um, organizer to come back, uh, and so I'm gonna try to see if we can work out work that out this month before um, before the end of this month is possible. Well, we, we will work together, and I'll, uh, you know I, th I thank you for the time. And again, uh, www.blackstudentfund.org. We're easy. Just Google Black Student Fund DC, Black and you'll and you'll get us. And, and Uncle Devin, I, I do want to say though that uh, 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 this Black History Month. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that people will take a moment to not only reflect on, but to share with their children history of black music. And I think okay. that for us, okay. for us in the in this industry mm -hmm. of education, that's what we're talking about: teaching kids the history so they can make appropriate choices about the right. music. Well, thank you, brother, and I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, life is a drum, so beat it.